Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. An Erio's original. With anti-Asian hate crimes at record numbers, this season of The Margaret Cho. We're examining the historical crimes that laid the groundwork for this recent onslaught of violence. I talk with Asian comedians, authors, journalists, podcasters, as well as the organizations and people working to stop Asian hate. Welcome to the Margaret Cho Mortal Minority. Today we're talking about the recent beating and robbing of an 80-year-old Asian man in San Leandro. Also, our historic event is the Denver Chinatown Riot. My guest today is Phil Yu, creator of the blog Angry Asian Man and an old-timey friend of mine. Thanks, Phil. My pleasure. How are you feeling this AAPI month with everything going on? Uh, it's a little bit... Heritage Month is always weird in that... Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, Heritage Month is every month, right? I mean, it's, it's where, you know, it, this is just the sort of government-approved month where everyone else has to care, I guess. And so it, com- it it's funny that it comes now on amidst all this other hyper-visibility, you know? Yeah. And it yeah. feels and 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 when you spend like a long time just trying to get people to listen to you and see you, like feeling invisible for a long time, and then mm-hmm. suddenly feeling super hyper visible, it's too fast. It's too it's too much, you know. Uh, so feeling a little yeah. bit like anxious and kind of tired, actually, you know. Well, it's exhausting. Also, it's kind of like, are you only going to care for this month? Mm-hmm. And is this the only time we're going to discuss this? Because we're going to have to keep talking about it yeah. all year. Right, right. I mean, yeah. Because it's not. Because we yeah. think, cause we're thinking like, because if, if history shows, and, and it has, I mean, <laughs> we all know this. all this stuff, all this stuff has been happening for a very long time. It's just right now we've kind of reached a break, a threshold where we're like shit like people better i mean like if you if you can't hear us now then you're never going to hear us so i i it does but the pattern is always just like well we're going to just go back into kind of this weird state of just kind of tolerating the kind of shit that gets flung at us you know yeah but there is no i, I think there's like no way to tolerate it anymore there's no way of like mm. going back to where we were and that 
you know, but it is a kind of outrage fatigue where it's every day when I, uh, I always look at like Sifan on Instagram mm-hmm. or uh, Dion Lim TV uh-huh. on Instagram and Jackfruit and Rice Feed. And then it's like a continual, like all of this onslaught yeah. of violence that, and it takes a sort of a, it's the same story kind of, but it takes different instances, different video every right. day. It's right. I don't know if there's like an end to it. There's no, there's like, it's endless and it's multiple times a day actually. Right. No, I mean, it's so much that I, I can't keep track of like the latest yeah. hate crime. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like uh, I'll yeah. see a headline. I'm like, is this the one I already saw? Was this the, you know what I mean? And you see another grainy yeah. video and you're like, it, Oh, this is different. This is different from the other elderly man that got assaulted, like you know, last week or, yeah. or yesterday. You know, it's different, but it's also like I feel like stuff like this has always happened. Yet we hadn't had um, either people on the news really focus on it. We haven't had social media focus on it. We haven't always had the technology to capture the video for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's part of it so i feel like these incidents and also like another part of it is elderly asian americans coming forward right 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 i mean no of course like in the past i i think it's it's very common for people to just swallow it take it and swallow like you know you just kind of develop a a thicker skin just by virtue of being asian in america you know and and i think it's come to the point where like even the elders can't stay silent anymore, you know what I mean? But that's not to say, you know, one one of the sort of narratives that have, that I, I always hear is that like, oh, Asians are finally speaking out. And I'm like, that that's a little annoying to me. That's not yeah. that's not true. That's at not all. true at all. <laughs> uh, that's so that a historical view is very um that it actually you know, contributes to this idea that Asians are are the are silent and passive. It's like no, 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 no. We have a history also of resistance and speaking out, and you know, and right. not taking shit. So like, you know, I, I I definitely have to push back on anybody who ever says like, oh well, finally Asians are speaking out. You know, that's not true. I don't think that that's true. I think what it is is that um, we're more of a unified community in speaking out. Mm that there have been um, long-held separations between us as Asian Americans, because we're not a monolith, but we are also very diverse within our ranks. And so I think there's definitely more of a unified voice Mm -hmm. that is um, emerging. But it's not that we're finally speaking out. I mean, also, again, it's just like the level of violence right now is just you cannot turn away. I'm just like... Like, you just cannot ignore this anymore, you know? So, it, you right. know, the onslaught. It's the it's onslaught. The onslaught. Okay, let's talk about the... F- this is the modern story, and this is one of the ones... This made me so angry. Mm-hmm. And it was because of the video, but it was um, a San Leandro, which is in the Bay Area, San Francisco. It was the beating of an 80-year-old man. Uh, one of the assault, uh, uh, people who assaulted him was an 11-year-old boy. <sighs> So this is from the CBS local news. An elderly Asian-American man was assaulted and robbed over the weekend in a brazen attack in his San Leandro neighborhood that was recorded on surveillance video. The police said the assault took place around 4 p.m. Saturday. The 80-year-old was out for a walk in San Leandro when two males approached and attacked him. 
A young male appears to be in the video to be associated with the two, but he's not seen participating in the attack. Investigators said the suspect pushed the victim and demanded his wallet. And when the victim screamed for help, the suspects removed the victim's Fitbit, which is like, what kind of value does a fit? I mean, <laughs> why? Oh, I'm so It's a mad. personal fitness um, tracker. She wanted, he wanted to see how many steps that guy had taken that day. It's... <sighs> yeah. Okay, then they fled in a blue Subaru sedan. In March, uh, the San Leandro Police Department conducted a victim demographic study where violent crime statistics were compared from 2019 to 2020, and they discovered an increase of 283% against our Asian community members. Although, at this present moment, there's no indication that the elderly victim was targeted due to his mm. race. I mm. disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I disagree. The 11-year-old boy and a 17-year-old were arrested in, conne- in connection with an attack and a robbery. I mean, the 11-year-old had also been behind a wheel of a carjacking. But the, the, when you watch the video, you hear like the laughing. That's what really mm. upset me. Uh-huh. Is that it's somehow... Like this funny thing that they're attacking this older Asian man, and I, th- I, I don't know why that every time there's a an incident like this, they go to well, we don't know if it's racially right. motivated. Right. Well, it's so, I guess, in the eyes of the law, it is so hard to pr- to prove that something is a hate crime. You and I both know it. Like right? when we see something like this, it's like right. we know it. It's just like you, like someone has to be saying a fucking racial slur as they're beating someone for it to be a hate crime, right? Like it, it, right. it has to be so explicit, you know. And I, but that's the thing. That's sort of the labor of of being victims to hate crimes, like and like what's going on right now. It's like we expend so much energy trying to fucking prove that, like, this is hey, this is racist. This is racially, mo- you know what I mean? Like you right. can, you can talk in circles with people about whether or not well, was this really a hate crime was this a robbery like i don't know right now what's in the air what's in the atmosphere like i you can't say any of this is random like for me i'm like mm-hmm. i'm gonna look at it as a hate crime until proven otherwise you know right why are we saddled with the burden of proof like we are we're we're on trial here over the person who did these attacks and i mean it's the strangest thing. Like, even with the Atlanta shooting happening, they're like, we don't know if this is a hate crime. Well, it's a hate crime. You know, why Why is there a question? It, it's a very, it's like, um, again, questioning whether we're a minority, again, questioning whether we're even a race. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that's a, the other thing is like, if it's a racial problem, why is it? only about white people and black people always we never added to the racial conversation it's it's um it's it's why i actually really love your this podcast margaret i mean because you're delving into the past you're able to see a a sustained history it's not just a one-off incident Mm -hmm. each time right like we're seeing a pattern we're seeing that like this kind of racism against asians is baked into the american story it's not just like these incidents right. that like kind of pop up it's like this is part of the entire fabric you know and 
to reduce right. this kind of thing to black and white is just completely ignoring an entire swath of history, you know? Yeah, and the, the invisibility is also a big part of it, too, that it's continually cropped out of the image from the moment where when the railroad is completed <laughs> and they did not have any of the Chinese workers in the photograph is the moment we were cropped out of the rebuilding of America after the Civil War. Right. And those moments are so important. If you look at history, like when you crop us out of that photo, you crop us out of history, then we become invisible for the rest of history. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw recently, this is related, but recently there's like this poll of Americans asking them to name a famous Asian American. Just name an Asian, right? Mm -hmm. And 43% yeah. said, don't know. 9%, like 11% said Bruce Lee and 9% said Jackie Chan. And that's, that's the top, those are the top three answers, you know? And it's like, I mean, never mind what they said. I mean, that's, I feel like that actually is the story of my life, actually being invisible or being yeah. taunted as Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan. Like that's, that's that. But right. like, never mind what they said. It actually goes, speaks to sort of the invisibility and not really seeing Asians as like viable as people. You know what I mean? Like we're just... You know, right. and so when you're erased from having any kind of agency or place in our society, that's when that goes also with our history, right? Then you're just you're just you're just mm -hmm. there. You've never you've not been part of who we are and th this working society. You're just you're just there, you know. And so you can just say, I don't know, yeah. I don't know any Asians, right? And that it's it's fine, you know, that it's fine. That also the um, removal of the shame around racism against Asians, that to me is upsetting as well. Like normally kids like this would be ashamed if somebody called them out to being racist against anybody right. else. But with Asians, it's fine. Right. Like that kind of. That's a weird. It's normalized, you know, yeah. it's not. That's the thing. It's like yeah. normalizing sort of racism against Asians, even if it's reduced to that, like. I'm telling you, like when Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee are wielded as like taunts, you know what I mean? Like you've then there, there, there is something there, you know, that like oh, we can use these the only famous Asians we know as as, as weapons against you. Like that's a right. level of disrespect, you know. It's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird, and it's really but yeah. There's like we've got to bring up turn up the volume on shame against racism against Asians because there's the, like some there's it's not heard right right it's really it's such a weird thing okay we're gonna take a turp break and then we're going to talk about the Denver Chinatown riot Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Okay, we're back. I only was able to find one real source well two sources there i mean the 
the level of like research that I have to do for some of these stories is pretty crazy where you're like, it's like a PDF off of, of a Wikipedia. <laughs> like it's somebody's paper. Uh-huh. It's not in any, any kind of like real sort of like awareness of history, but there were so many riots like this mm-hmm. and there were oh, probably about 200 Chinatowns from 1849 at, until about 1890. And um, most of them were completely decimated. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, one of the stories of this is the Denver one. So um, the background is Mark R. Ellis. Is, he wrote for uh, the University of Nebraska's Encyclopedia of the Great Plains. <laughs> A renowned source. Our source. Um, Denver's riot was one of the 153 anti-Chinese riots that swept through the American West through the 1870s and 1880s. And um, this is like the same story. It really repeats itself, you know, in um, Rock Springs, Wyoming, Mm -hmm. in Hell's Canyon, in Oregon, in uh, Los Angeles, where... um, You're seeing these anti-Chinese riots, mostly from other immigrants from Germany, the Ireland, Italy. You know, it's a, it's like almost as if these people were trying to figure out who was going to be the dominant workers there. I feel like I feel like this is the moment where like Irish and German and Italians, people who were looked on very low. You know, as Europeans, right, on, on sort of the totem pole, this is the moment where they became white people because they found someone yes. lower than them on the labor ladder that they could shit on. You know what I mean? But it's also weird to think about Irish and Germans not thinking they're white. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other weird part of it. Like, that's where, that's where whiteness comes from, you well, think. It, but it's so really... It's, it's crazy that it happens in relation to, well, we're not Asian, so we got to be white, you know what I mean? Like, we're not these people. Yeah. That's so weird. So this is going back to the Encyclopedia of the Great Plains. <laughs> the Chinese experienced discrimination and violence since 1849 when they first arrived in California. They were driven out of the California mines by the foreign miners tax and also experienced outright violence. Um, and so that's kind of one of the reasons why um, Chinese laundries emerged, because it's not like the Chinese people were very good at doing laundry. It's just that that was the one job sure? that was, uh, well, I'm okay yeah. at it. Oh, did you know I'm Chinese? I told you I'm Chinese, right? I heard that. Is that real? I'm 100% Chinese. Uh, my parents are from Korea, but we were Japanese briefly when there was Japanese occupation of Korea. And then we were Chinese before that. So we became mysteriously Korean at some point. What? Without, isn't that weird? <laughs> without derailing a conversation too much, like how did you find this out? I'm just I'm through through a DNA test, DNA test. about ten okay. years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. and they um they did a whole DNA thing, and then they were like, "Well, uh, you're 100 percent Chinese." Oh my God. But um, my grandparents were always more comfortable speaking Japanese and reading uh-huh. Japanese. All their books uh-huh. were in Japanese, and then but my parents are very solidly Korean. Yeah. So they don't. They're in not having it but um so i'm Chinese. wow that's uh yeah that's got to do a number on i don't know it's yeah. definitely it's interesting yeah. but okay. so i i i really i i, I embrace it but we're not that, that good at laundry <laughs> 
Naturally. What happened was they were just forced out of mining. So they had to figure out jobs. So one of the jobs was to uh, clean the clothes of the miners who were sending their dirty clothes by mail to the then Sandwich Islands, which we now know as Hawaii. (laughs) And they wouldn't get them back for months and months and months. So that's an interesting fact about uh, the Chinese. So uh, by the 1870s, the anti-Chinese movement had entered politics and fearful that cheap Chinese labor would threaten the white working class, Dennis Kearney, an Irish immigrant and founder of the Working Man's Party, led a campaign to ban Chinese immigration. During the presidential election of 1880, Chinese immigration became an important issue when Winfield Hancock, the Democratic candidate, supported a ban on Chinese immigration. So this is like the the atmosphere. They called us the pests of the Pacific. Uh They pointed out that if they invaded Colorado in greater numbers, white men would starve and women would be forced into prostitution, which... um, (laughs) You know, again, it's like they're going to take our women. It's the same narrative as like with with black Americans. They were like, they're going to take our women. And this this fear around that. And the fear of, uh, you know, the fear of uh, Mexican immigrants taking our jobs. It's it's kind of the right. same thing over and over again. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so on October 28th in 1880, the Rocky Mountain News reported that there was open talk in Denver of running the Chinese out. The night before the riot, supporters of the Democratic Party marched through the streets, many carrying anti-Chinese banners. Democrats, man, you come a long way. <laughs> I think back then, none of that shit means anything. Democrats, <laughs> it was different. It, yeah. Yeah. it was way different. So this is, um, more, this is about the riot itself. On Sunday afternoon at John's Place, which is an excerpt from The Road to Chinese Exclusion, The Denver Riot, 1880 election and rise of the waste the rise of the west by Li Ping Zhu. On Sunday, October 31st at about 2 p.m., business as usual at John Amoson's saloon known as John's Place in Denver, there were three customers, George Eshell and two Chinese men quietly playing pool when three or four inebriated white men came in. On seeing the Chinese, the stranger approached the table and disrupted the game by moving some of the balls. What, what? are you do- Don't be moving the balls. Disrespectful. That is disrespect. When one of the China so disrespectful. When one of the Chinese men asked them not to interfere with the game, the uninvited rabble rousers blurted out expletives and made threatening gestures. Uh, John Amnison, the pub owner, uh, quickly stepped in to thwart the harassing. And they responded by saying, he was as good as a damn Chinaman. <laughs> and demanded the same service. So Amazon served them beer and calmly advised the Chinese to leave. The Chinese left. But a few minutes later, two of the hostile intruders took the same exit and followed them. Noticed one of the Chinese men was there. And one of the thugs charged him and began punching without provocation. There was a Chinese laundry in the alley and several of the workers were washing clothes and seeing the more Chinese there, the white gang angrily began to assail the unsuspecting men, totally unrelated, and smash up the place. Acting in self-defense, one of the laundrymen instinctively grabbed a case knife from the table, which was like a, just a, like a box mm. cutter. Not, it wasn't sharp or anything. It was used for scraping paraffin from the iron that they would do to iron clothes. But the weapon made a serious cut on the attacker who, attacker who began to bleed profusely. 
Uh, meanwhile, a host of Chinese men who overheard the commotion rushed out of nearby buildings to assist their countrymen. One Chinese man fired a pistol in the air as a warning, and another blew a police whistle in a call for help. And uh, Hong Li began shouting at the attackers, but uh, missed all of them. But seeing, hearing the wails of the bloodied man uh, who had gotten hit by the knife, rambunctious crowds spilled onto the streets and um, they were shocked at the sight of this bleeding man and became increasingly hostile and more people filled in the streets um, and a riot broke out. So then a riot broke out. They're looking for Hong Lee, who I guess they're sort of blaming for everybody. I guess he was the one who had a gun and fired a pistol in the air. And the policeman finally arrested him. And uh, just everybody's just drunk and they just started breaking up the town. The frightened Chinese, most of whom didn't know what happened, just barricaded their places. This, the entire thing, they're like looking for somebody who didn't really do anything, but they're going to insist on lynching Hong Lee. Mm -hmm. The city of Denver, with a population of nearly nearly 40,000, had an inadequate police force of only 20 officers. And on that day, only eight men were on duty. The firefighters attempted to quell the rioters by spraying them down with horses. Horses. (laughs) Spraying them down with hoses. They're chanting. The rioters are chanting, the Chinese must go. While they're chanting, they're attacking Chinese homes and businesses. Um, Before nightfall, the attackers had demolished every Chinese property on Blake Street. Meanwhile... The rioters encountered unexpected resistance from a group of renowned citizens. The city's white prostitutes, Madame Lizzie Preston, rushed 10 of her working girls out of Preston House to rescue four Chinese from further what? harm. Armed with... <laughs> what? I know. It's kind of... Okay. All, all right. right. Annie, as Annie Oakley? I don't know. Like, Madame Lizzie Preston. Armed with champagne bottles, pokers, and high-heeled shoes, these Amazonian beauties formed a firm line of defense in front of their place. Madame Preston stood in the center of the line with a double-barrel shotgun pressed against her shoulder. It seemed that someone must have had a list of the addresses of the Chinese people because the crowd knew where to get them. And in the eight hours of riding from mid-afternoon to late evening, the mob moved over 40 to 50 blocks in the city's central district. After nightfall, the emboldened riders were willing to commit even more monstrous act under the cover of darkness, though there's no way to identify among the rioters and spectators, eyewitness accounts explicitly indicate that a majority of the participants were transients, laborers, and Democrats. They savagely broke the windows and knocked down the doors of every Chinese house or store they came across. If there were any people inside, the rioters immediately seized them, dragged them outside, and beat them with the intention of killing them. It's so scary to think about. Yeah. Well, a couple of things strike me about this. Like one, this it's weird that this thing whole whole thing was ignited by these guys coming in and just fucking with these guys who are trying to have a good time playing pool, right? Like like yeah. they, they had a problem with that. It reminds me of like how many times like ha- have I been out with like other Asians and there's a group of us and some white dude has to be like I don't know, like we're having too much fun as Asians together. We're having too much fun. They're like, "Ni hao, what's up?" Yeah. You know, like, and like just fucking mind yeah. your own business. Get like, you know, like interjecting it's so them. Weird. Yeah. So there's that. But the real scary part, I think, is the fact that it, it it boils over and becomes this thing where like they're literally going into businesses, homes, and dragging people out, and it's just out in the open, right? Like it's very out 
explicit yeah. kind of like very open racism, you know? Well, they're not even like even involving people that have nothing to do with it, that are just working. Right, right. You know, that just going into homes and um, and also the the reporting on this is sad, too, because it's unclear, like, who was doing what and, you know, nobody knows, like, who committed these crimes or it's just it's so crazy. Yeah. Okay, so this is the murder of Look Young. Despite concerted efforts by the overwhelmed policemen and diligent citizens to rescue the Chinese, uh, Look Young lost his life that riotous day inside Sing Li Laundry. The attackers saw three Chinese, Chi Kong, Ah Sin, and Look Young, and immediately dragged them out. Somebody put ropes around their necks and cut off their cues, holding them high in the air as if the men had just been scalped. Seeing his old customer and friend Hickey, Look Young fell to his knees and begged for protection. But the angry mob was determined to kill the remaining victim. Calling Hickey a damned half-Chinaman, the crowd threatened to hang him if he did not step aside. Look Young died because the thugs had ruptured the blood vessels in his brain through blunt force trauma. A native of Hoksan, about 80 miles from Canton, the murdered man had been in the United States for four and a half years and in Denver for just six months. His wife and parents back in China all depended on his income to live. He was only 28 years old. It's just so horrible. So the aftermath is about 150 claims were found, totaling about $30,000 in damages, but no Chinese residents were paid for property or business losses. In 2019, Colorado State, State historian William Wei pointed out that the history of the riot is too often told through the lens of white historians, especially with a plaque in downtown Denver. There's a plaque there where this happened. If you read the plaque carefully, you notice it does not dwell on the victims of this race riot, the Chinese. It focuses on the heroes who came to their rescue. Let me say that I applaud the heroes who came to their aid, but it does reflect a certain attitude that persists, the need to have a white savior. <laughs> well, the plaque honors the names of the white saloon keeper and the customers who helped keep the mob at bay. It does not name Lee or the other victims. They're not apt to identify the victims because that would humanize the experience, which I think we should do. That's what Wei said. I mean, it's like... It's, uh, it's, if this were a movie, you know, it would star Matthew McConaughey as the guy, who, uh, the saloon keeper who protects these, you know, and then... All right, 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 all right, right. all right. I mean, you know, they want to look back and, and sort of like say, well, we, we help them. But I mean, is, it, is there a, a... I don't think there's a plaque in Los Angeles, you know, for the 1871 Chinatown massacre uh, that happened. I don't think there's a plaque there, but the, it did happen near the site of where the Chinese History Museum uh-huh, is. Uh-huh. I know I know the area. There? Yeah. yeah. So it's actually, it's not in Chinatown now. It's closer to Olivera right, Street. Right, right, right. But um, there's no real sort of place that they would memorialize that lynching. Uh-huh. But it, it's like, but this is just one of the stories. And this is one of the ones that I had no idea about. Like, I knew about Eureka and Antioch and Tacoma and, of course, Rock Springs and, and mm-hmm. Chinatown here. But the, this one was one that was like, I didn't know, but they almost all all these stories are pretty identical in the way yeah. that it just starts in a bar and it just starts with a fight and then the white mob is just like enraged and ready to go. This sort of vigilanteism, like that credo right. of they're taking our jobs. Right. Also, I also was not familiar with this particular 
incident, but I was definitely aware of like, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff that happened back then all up and down the West Coast and Western United States, you know, that this was part of like a sort of an unofficial, unofficial campaign to drive out the, you know, the Chinese. It's kind of it illustrates what happens when like there is that rhetoric in the air, right? Like like they're, they're taking our jobs, we need to get rid of them. And then so it just takes that that incident in the in the pool, you know, at the pool table to spill out and then it just becomes this fucking nightmare you know right it's but they're taking our jobs they might take our women that the they're doing this they're doing that and we've got to stop it yeah It, it is really this strange denial even in history to fully recognize the enormity of the the horrific incident yeah. you're just highlighting the the heroic acts of the white saviors that were there, which is like, if you're gonna recognize a heroic act, I say the madam. Yeah, right. <laughs> I want to. See, I'll see that movie. I'll I'll watch that movie. <laughs> I li- I think um, I like the madam. I really want the madam to be played by Rhea Perlman. <laughs> no, maybe who is uh Gwendol- is Gwendolyn Christie? Did she play Americans? Um. She was, uh, they did describe them as Amazonian, so she'd be very tall and Amazonian yeah, yeah. beauties, yeah. Um, which is like kind of that's really that's kind of an interesting detail. I think that's really I don't know why I feel like there there was a like a lot of um, maybe connection with um, these brothels and um, the Chinese workers. I know that there was quite a few like Chinese run and operated brothels in Los Angeles at that time mm. because a and gambling houses because there was just no ability for the Chinese to have sort of like quote unquote legitimate uh-huh. jobs because so we were forced out of so many uh-huh. things so for brothels and things like that that was definitely um, part of the culture you know to to connect this with what's happening right now I feel like the really the most obvious thing is that like all the stuff that's happening right now, all the violence, it's so brazen and it's it's so happening out in the open, you know? And it comes with this mm-hmm. whole other backdrop of like, of the coronavirus and of this anti-China rhetoric and calling it the China virus, all that stuff, that it primes it for these moments, the opportunities to come where violence erupts, you know what I mean? And if, if yeah. anything, I feel like America is undergoing this like year-long nationwide anti-Asian riot in a lot of ways, right? Like that we're, yeah. we're you know, people have given, been given the green light to just fucking act up. And then like, it's, it's our, it's our elders and it's our, our, our most vulnerable who are getting beat up and getting killed. Right. I know. And it's, um, but it is when America's in crisis, our Americanness comes into question, which is the continually happening, whether it's this in Denver, whether it's the Chinese Exclusion Act, whether it's Japanese internment, whether it's the auto industry and Vincent Chin. Don't forget 9-11, after 9-11, South Asians. Nine, oh, yeah. 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 Same thing. Yeah. Like, if you really believe somebody's a terrorist, why would you fuck with them? <laughs> if you really believe somebody has a coronavirus, why would you scream <laughs> at them? Right. They don't really yeah. believe any of right. this. Right, right. It's just getting out this this aggression that this you know that's already existing in you. You know, this is your excuse. This is your green light. That's right? already there. Yeah, you know? yeah. That is, it's not. Um, 
it's just a pattern and um, it's something that we continue to deal with and you've been doing for such a long time with Angry Asian Man and yeah I mean it's why I I've been very um, in a lot of ways I've sort of like taken all, everything that's happened in the last year or so with like well I, I know this I mean we know this I've we've been witnessing yeah. this happening a long time like this is not new but that's not to say like I don't want to say like um, well I knew it and you you know I, like this is spurring people who were previously sort of uninvolved into action you know what i mean and that includes asian americans yeah. like you know some, like this, this is their moment so I, I don't begrudge anybody who's suddenly seeing things for what they are now you know like hey, yeah. welcome you know let's do it yeah let's do it together yeah. i'm a longtime fan of yours i you know you know how you know how i feel <laughs> the, I the love feeling you. is mutual oh, uh, you're the best where can people find you online and what, what you're doing out there? Yeah. Um, on social media, you can just find me at Angry Asian Man. And then my main website is angryasianman.com. You can find, you, I've got a podcast that I host with Jeff Yang called They Call Us Bruce. We call it an unfiltered conversation about what's going on in Asian America. And then we have a book coming out later this year. Yes. I wrote it with Jeff Yang and Philip Wang. It's called Rise. A pop history of Asian America from the '90s to now. Um, you are in it, Margaret. Yes. So uh, yes, yeah, super yeah, cool. Um, and we're we're you know we're pretty proud of it. So uh, check that out. Well, thank you, thank you, Phil. Thank you. Today we are highlighting the San Leandro Nonprofit Community Impact Lab, founded by Suha Bowen. Community Impact Lab envisions a world where women and their abilities are valued where work and life can be integrated, and where families act as a force for positive social change. They organized a Stop the Hate rally in response to the San Leandro attack. To get involved, go to communityimpactlab.org, which we will link to in our show notes. If you want to support our show, subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, and spread the word. Reach out to me on Twitter with your thoughts, at Margaret Cho, or at Instagram, at Margaret underscore Cho. The Margaret Show is produced by the Erios Network. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.